Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Failure Island. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. created man. On the seventh day, he rested. And on the eighth day, in the year 2010, in a remote laboratory, an exiled scientist created something impossible. Unmistakably human, undeniably animal, on the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd like to present my children. Father? Oh my God. From director John Frankenheimer. H.G. Wells' most terrifying creation about the line that separates man from beast and the notorious doctor who dared to cross it. We are men because the Father has made us men. Marlon Brando, Val Kilmer, David Thewlis, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Have you seen The Island of Dr. Moreau? I remember it and I've seen some of it, but it just, mm-hmm. I never watched the whole thing. I used to watch it in my parents' basement because all we really did was like try to drink my parents' alcohol and go and watch horrible movies we would get at the Blockbuster. This is 1995? 1996. Okay. American science fiction horror film, an adaptation of 1896 novel The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells. And the film is deliciously bad. Just as like a short synopsis, there's a, an island, and the, the doctor on the island likes to splice... Uh, cats mostly, but also other animals and human beings, genes, to create a kind of... Actually, now that I think of it, Cats is a very relevant movie to bring into the mix with this because Cats and Island of Dr. Moore are, are pretty similar in their really confusing tone, 
uncomfortable yet still very entertaining experience. Uh, the documentary Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, which came out in 2014, I saw at Cinefamily, the now defunct movie house. And he was there and I met him and I was so excited to see this film and didn't really know anything going in. And I was just introduced to this world of chaotic events before I even saw, like, I knew the movie was bad and it was fun and it was, you know, very like beloved to me, but so much happened behind the scenes in, like, you won't even believe when I start going, it is the biggest movie failure I have, I've ever heard of. So we're going to get into it. Um, and go see that documentary. It's really, really good. If you are at all interested in this film, I'm going to plug it a lot. Most of this information is from that documentary. So a film version of Dr. Moreau had been a longstanding dream of Richard Stanley, who first read the book as a child. He was an indie horror director. He did music videos. He most famously made Hardware and Dust Devil, horror, like B, kind of campy B horror movies. And he was from Africa. He was kind of this African born kind of like metal looking. He's still kind of like that. He lives in Paris now or something. Uh, he spent four years developing the project before getting a green light from New Line Cinema for some reason. And this is never, this doesn't happen anymore. Like some like fringe indie music director, filmmaker gets this big production house to make this giant film based on this intellectual property and puts their money behind it. So Stanley envisioned uh, Jurgen Proch now. In the lead role, do you know who that is? He's in Dune and Das Boot. He was in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, I mean, I, it sounds, from those movies, yeah. Especially Das Boot, because I remember a lot of people talking yeah. about Das Boot for a while. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, but I was like, yeah. yeah. People, pretty high schoolers were pretty into Das Boot. But he, but New Line managed to secure Marlon Brando, uh, which was like, again, so preposterous. And Stanley, when he talked about this movie at the screening, he was like, how the fuck... Did I get Marlon Brando? Well, sometime later, he learned that New Line had gone behind his back and offered the movie to Roman Polanski, and that's how Brando was secured. Furious, Stanley demanded a meeting with Brando, who unexpectedly proved to be very sympathetic to Stanley's vision, not because of his understanding of the you know, like filmmaking process, but because he was so passionate about Island of Dr. Moreau, the novel, the history. He actually owns like one of the first copies. He was obsessed with the storyline and really wanted to make it. Um, he also talked about uh, Heart of Darkness, the Joseph Conrad novel. Which become, was Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. now exactly. So um, Brando was really impressed by all of this. Also, Stanley's own uh, relationship to legendary African explorer Henry Morton Stanley, which was one of the chief inspiration for Joseph Conrad's lead character, Kurtz. So Stanley also had these like very weird connections that Brando kind of appreciated, too. And so he was still on board. According to Stanley, Brando was still fascinated by Kurtz more than 15 years after he had played a version of the character in Coppola's film. So Brando on board. Stanley, confirmed director, he was also able to recruit two more major stars, especially at the time, Bruce Willis um, and James Woods. Beyond these developments, Stanley enthusiastically launched into pre-production, collaborating with special effects creator Stan Wilson on the creation of the makeup and the costumes for Moreau's hybrid creatures and preparing the location and sets. However, as the time for principal photography approached, we start seeing these problems. Uh, Bruce Willis dropped out of the film. Stanley says in the documentary that he was divorcing his wife, Demi Moore, at the time, but they didn't really announce it, so it's unsubstantiated. And Val Kilmer came in to replace him. And Val Kilmer was, I can't, he was so hot right then, like physically and like just popular. Like, I remember him in The Saint. Yeah. I remember having like, 
feelings that I never felt watching him be in the saint. Ooh. Anyway, to Stanley's dismay, uh, Val Kilmer could only shoot for 40% of the time that he was required to be on set. So Stanley solved the problem when he had Kilmer switch from the protagonist, the star to the support, the supporting role of Montgomery who had a lot less screen time, but that meant James Woods had to leave the production New Line hurriedly recruited former Northern Exposure star Rob Morrow for the lead role. Another significant setback occurred not long before the filming began with the suicide of Brando's daughter, Cheyenne. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I was reading about that recently. That was pretty... Something with her She had a boyfriend? Like, something yeah. with her boyfriend? I don't actually know what exactly happened, but he... She's like a model, right? Yeah, she's, she's a, model a model, and she, like, died very abruptly. Yeah, it was just like a very... Hmm. Something with more Brando's son... <laughs> Like, I feel like there's also something that would Marlon Brando's son, too. Yeah, something, yeah, he, it's very he tried to kill somebody. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was a murderer, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all I'll say about that. So, Brando retreated to his private, his own private island, not the one of Dr. Moreau, leaving Stanley and his producers in limbo, not knowing whether he would show up or not or what his deal was. He just like kind of cut out for a little while. The chosen location for the film was the rainforest outside the Cairns in northern Queensland, Australia. Tensions between Stanley and New Line had grown during the reproduction, partly because of Stanley. He was really quirky. He was very insular. He didn't want to go to studio meetings. He didn't want to, like, play the game. And that kind of makes sense, too, because he's this indie fringe director having to be just thrust into this new role of being this big budget director. Uh, and it reached a crisis point with the first few days of filming. Stanley's vulnerability to studio pressure, too, was exacerbated by the continuing absence of Marlon Brando. But the biggest problem proved to be the notorious the notorious onset behavior of Val Kilmer, who showed up two days late, <laughs> hung out, and was just like a bully to everybody, especially Stanley. Kilmer later attributed his obnoxious behavior to the fact that just as filming began, he learned from a television report that he was being sued for divorce by his wife of seven years, Joanne Wally. Whatever the reasons, most of the cast and crew have testified to Kilmer just being a piece of shit, asshole, consistently hostile, obstructive to production from the day he got there till the day he left. He wouldn't deliver his dialogue as scripted, and he reportedly criticized Stanley's ideas with what little footage was shot was mostly unusable. Great, great job, Val Kilmer. The studio mainly seems to have blamed the director for not getting Kilmer under control, but another significant factor was the sudden departure of co-star Rob Morrow on the second day of shooting. So Val Kilmer gets there, Rob Morrow's like, I'm out of here. With the location being pound, like, just, the location to, this is said so brilliantly and shown so brilliantly in the documentary, it's like, start shooting, and then it's a torrential downpour for six months. Like, it was like a nightmare. It was like a like an emergency situation kind of a thing, like like tar- like wet tarps just like rolling across the Queensland t- tundra. So the location was had horrific weather. They had to stop filming and like stop and start and stop and start. And Moro found himself unable to bear the tension and hostility on the set any longer. So he basically just called New Line and begged to be let go. And so they were like, all right, Rob Moro, go. It's time to go home. After the third, this is just before the third day of filming. On the third day of filming, following emergency consultations with its onset executives, New Line abruptly fired Stanley, Stanley by fax. So it's like, he's in a tent, downpour. He can't deal with people, very insular. He gets a fax in his tent that says he is fired. The director reacted angrily, shedding the documents in revenge and then vanishing, just completely vanishing after being delivered to the airport for the return flight to Hollywood. 
The reasons for Stanley's dismissal were not made totally clear and rumors were spread that he had erratic behavior. But really the main reasons were like he wasn't able to deal with the studio. He couldn't deal with Kilmer. He was just in over his head in way more ways than one. And honestly, that's a pretty like honest way, like reason to fire someone. But also you're you're already like it's already shit show. It's very demoralizing like to fire your director who this is their passion project for years and years and years is not a good look. Stanley had been offered his full fee on condition that he left the production quietly and did not speak about his firing. So his disappearance caused consternation on New Line, who feared he might try to sabotage the filming. (laughs) His removal also predictably sent shockwaves to the cast and crew. Outraged female leave for Zabalk, which you might remember from Return to Oz, almost famous. The craft? The craft. Oh, of course, the craft, Uh, which she talks a lot in this documentary, too. So they were actually like buddies. Like he... They, they hung out and they got along. So she stormed off set after a heated exchange with the New Line executives and then had a production assistant drive her all the way from Cairns to Sydney, which is uh, about a six-hour drive. <laughs> she was just like, take me to Sydney. And this PA was like, okay, Feruza Balk, in a rented limousine. However, by her own account, Balk's agent then warned her in very sure terms that if the studio would ruin her if she quit and she would never work again if she broke her contract. So she was forced to have that PA just drive her right back from Sydney into the thick of things. With a budget now approaching $70 million and potential disaster looming, New Line brought in a veteran director named John Frankenheimer. He did the Birdman of Alcatraz, Manchurian Candidate. He came on board in part virtually like every other member of the cast and crew. He wanted to work with Marlon Brando. Um, He also used the studio's desperation to his advantage, successfully demanding a really gigantic fee and a three-picture deal in exchange for coming in and trying to save this movie. Frankenheimer was kind of the last of those old-style directors. Like, gruff, dictatorial, right? Very just like tightly wound, like really bad mood, very strict, and he soon alienated many of the cast and crew. He and Brando decided to have the then-current script by Richard Stanley uh, just completely rewritten with uh, Frankenheimer's previous collaborator, Ron Hutchinson. He also needed to find a new lead to replace Rob Morrow and brought in David Thewlis to play Douglas. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He was in The Theory of Everything, Seven Years in Tibet, War Horse. The whole production was shut down for a week and a half while those changes were implemented, which, again... A lot has happened. We're not even in it yet. But let's take a little break because we want to mention some very special friends of the pod. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yeah, uh, we have our own little island. We do. We have, it's uh, No man is an island, but a couple it, Jewish podcasters are. Yeah, 
Uh, I, we noticed that our friend uh, Chris, Chris Witt, 83, mm-hmm. uh, his, I want to read his Twitter profile. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, he's like, I like the Rassels. Ghost mayor of Ghost Town Pod. And I mean, he is. He is the ghost. He is he the mayor. Is. He is our mayor. Yeah, he is Pay our mayor. Pay your taxes to him. Yeah. He will walk the premises and he's, make sure that there's no disorderly conduct. And he's the black sheep of your family. Oh, I thought I was the black sheep. No, 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 no. Chris is. So okay, okay. Just want to say that's uh, very flattering. I have to say, yeah. uh, my a, ego is all about that. And then uh, I got like a pretty nice. You know, we talked about uh, rating, and reviewing, mm-hmm. and you know, getting some nice positive messages. We got one that was pretty good. Uh, that's like a very honest one. Oh, uh, this one is from Scarpup fourteen. I came around to it. Took me a little bit to adjust to the format. But I enjoy the spooky tidbits. The Friday fails, <gasps> which we're in right the now. Bits, the bits. Are an especially fun short listen. Fun well, podcast. Not this one. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, this is, we're in an island. We, yeah, we, we got to float back. It's half, back home. it's half cats, half people. It's, it's half everything. Um, yeah, well, thank you. That's, that's very flattering. And like, if you want to write and re- review too, we would absolutely appreciate it. Yeah. You know, even if you want to donate to our Patreon. Oh, what? You mean patreon.com slash ghost town pod? I think that's what I mean. Because we're recording a nice sweet bonus episode right after this. Yes, so we are. When you're listening to this, there's going to be a brand new bonus episode. And then some of the episodes we do ad free and they come out a day or two early. Mm-hmm. And it helps support us. Yeah. Which is, uh, you get bonies and you help us. Because we might be, uh, we're not going to say it right now, but we might be going somewhere this we summer. We might be. Um, that's a top secret. Don't tell anybody. Yes. It's a secret between. Jason, me, and you. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah you. You. Look at yeah. yourself. Yeah. So so it, it kind of helps us maybe get there a little bit. Yeah. You want us to travel the world or at least the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> Places, the, right? The, basically the middle of the United States Yeah. Somewhere. You want us to go to the rolling hills of middle America? Yeah. Are you? Where well, I'm from? Well. Yeah. Help us out. But let's get back to the island of Dr. Moreau. The island of Dr. Chaos, I would say. No? All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. It already has a title. Exactly. We already got... We're, <laughs> why are you rewriting it? I don't know why I'm doing this. This is why they didn't I'm do well. I'm a natural artist. I create content. Okay. So we're back. The shooting has resumed. It's been a week and a half. But problems continued and they escalated, baby. Now, Justin Bieber's the lead, uh, right? Exactly. At this point. He's not even born yet. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. So Brando would routinely spend hours in his air-conditioned trailer when he was supposed to be on camera while actors and extras sweltered in the tropical heat in full makeup and heavy costumes. Um, Brando and Kilmer were just not getting along and had open hostility resulting in the casting crew being kept waiting for hours with each actor refusing to come out of their respective trailer before the other one. Classic. New pages were turned in only a few days before they were shot. Frankenheimer and Kilmer had an argument on set, which reportedly got so heated, Frankenheimer stated afterwards, I don't like Val Kilmer, I don't like his work ethic, and I don't want to be associated with him ever again. Bold. How do you really feel? (laughs) You know? Uh, but that really, it's a really a testament to Val Kilmer, but I also empathize in that, like, Val Kilmer was a pretty big deal, too, at that point, and coming into this must have been a lot as well. According to Thewlis, we all had different ideas of where it should go. I even ended up improvising some of the main scenes with Marlin. Thewlis went on to rewrite his character personally. The constant rewrites also got on Brando's nerves, and on many previous productions, he refused to learn lines, so he was equipped with a small radio receiver so that his assistant could feed his lines to him as he performed a technique he had used on earlier films. Thulis recollects 
Marlon would be in the middle of a scene and suddenly he'd be picking up police messages and <laughs> repeat, there's a robbery at Woolworths. Meanwhile, friction between him and Kilmer elicited the former's quip, your problem is you confuse the size of your paycheck with the size of your talent. Ooh. Upon completion of Kilmer's final scene, Frankenheimer is reported to have said to the crew, now get that bastard off my set. Ooh, just a chill, just a cool chill island gig, you know? Also in the documentary, Brando would kind of push this how far he could go with everybody. He didn't like any, he didn't really like anyone at this point. Like he kind of liked Stanley. Stanley was gone. He barely tolerated. So you could see how much he could do. Like he is in white face for most of the film, which means he's covered in white paint and he's wearing this giant straw hat and he has a little person as his assistant. Do you remember that in the like the I feel like the promos of the movie were like really like show, obviously showcased Marlon Brando, but it's so bizarre. And that was a creative choice that Marlon Brando just made because he was like, fuck all of this. Oh my God. Stanley has reportedly jokingly told the film's production designer to burn the set down, but when Stanley disappeared after his firing, security was tightened in case he was actually trying to sabotage the project. Stanley himself later revealed that he had in fact stayed in Australia, suffered a total emotional breakdown, retreated to a remote area in the Cairns region to recover. There, he had a chance meeting with some of the film's former production staff who had been rehired as extras and were camping in the area. It was confirmed by these same production staff in the Lost Soul documentary that with their help, Stanley secretly came back to the set over several days, disguised in full costume as one of the dogmen, and performed as an extra on the film he had originally been hired to direct. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty, I mean, that's some espionage. Just get better. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just hang it out. This, like... Oh, it had also been reported that he showed up at the film's rap party where he ran into Kilmer, who is said to have apologized profusely for Stanley's removal from the film. Oh, I mean, redeeming. full circle, maybe due to the many problems with the production and the evident ongoing attempts by both Brando and Kilmer to sabotage it again. Little person, whiteface. The location shooting eventually stretched from a scheduled six weeks to almost six months. And the atmosphere on the production became almost a mirror of the plot of the movie, with long-suffering cast and crew becoming more and more alienated by and hostile towards its co-stars and its authoritarian director. Um, And they have some amazing footage in this documentary of just the cast getting just completely shit-faced in their Island of Dr. Moreau makeup and also being very depressed in their Island of Dr. Moreau makeup. The film was released on August 23rd, 1996, and spoiler alert, it was garbage. It grossed only $49 million worldwide on a $40 million budget, not including marketing and other expenses. Huge, gigantic fail. In an article written upon Brando's death in 2004, critic Roger Ebert described The Island of Dr. Moreau as perhaps Brando's worst film. That's being very, very kind. The Island of Dr. Moreau later received six nominations for Razzie Awards, inclu- including Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Supporting Actor for Marlon Brando. Val Kilmer was also a nominee in this category. At the 1996 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, Brando was nominated for Worst On-Screen Hairstyle, which he lost to Stephen Baldwin for Biodome, and won Worst Supporting Actor. The film also got nominations for two Saturn Awards, Best Science Fiction Film, and Best Makeup. I mean, the mid-90s was kind of a, a weird <laughs> wasteland of weird science fiction. and Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I loved all of it. I still I want to watch it. the documentary. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to sit through the movie, but... I Well, the movie, uh, I don't even want to... Like, 
Cruza Balk's cat character, her sexy cat character hangs itself and it's like, she wasn't even there for it, so it's like a shadow. It's so good. I want to watch that again. I want to watch the documentary again. The documentary is so good. Most of this information comes from it. And it's just, it's a larger than life film. Like when you think about Hollywood filmmaking, this is the opposite of all of that, pretty much. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, when I think, I'm really into movies that are like huge, bloated productions and their failures like heaven's gate is probably one of the biggest ones wow which is a a western that came out in 1980 i don't think i've seen that it's a very long movie Mm -hmm. i tried watching it and it was it's not necessarily like a bad movie but i think it was just so like bloated Mm -hmm. with, with production and it was you know it's the kind of thing that puts i think it maybe even put the the particular movie studio out of business. I think it was Heaven's Gate. Oh, so when I, I, I love disastrous movies. But think about all the people that we named. Now, Marlon Brando's obviously yeah. an icon. These are all like huge, like we've talked about a lot of huge stars in the context of this horrific film. But now talk about, now. okay, so this Plus is- Plus Rob Morrow. That's, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and, and nothing against these people, they're, they're all fine. But like, you know, Val Kilmer is still- I mean, So hot. Oh my God. Still, I, I you know what I'm going to do? After you leave, rewatch The Saint. You know uh, what I mean? But think about them all now. Like, none of these people are, oh, Rob Morrow. Not to say that, I'm not criticizing them, but it's mm-hmm. not like they're like, oh, man. Mar- I bet they didn't know Rob Morrow was going to be so huge. Yeah. I, I bet you didn't know Fruza Balk was going to be killing it. <laughs> I, you know, but I bet all you- these people arguably, like, just to, I, I think a lot of them were like, at the end of their career anyway. They were like, yeah, they were like mid-90s. Maybe there's a weird dog person who's now... Zach Efron. You don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't. You don't. No, I know it's not. You know? It's probably not. <laughs> well, we'll check IMDb. Yeah. yeah. Watch The Saint. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 Welcome dun, to Dumb Love. I'm dun. Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. Dumb Love is a comedy podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. Each week we share real love stories. Some are funny, some are crazy, and some are really wonderful. And some are about murder. <laughs> There's a little bit of true crime, but a whole lot of true love. So we post episodes every Monday, so give us a listen. And get out there and do something dumb for love. Aww. Wow, 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 wow. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.